The following message is from the 2017 IBCD Institute, Addictions, Grace for the Journey. The, the outline, I, I, was, I was wrong, the outline was actually on page 45 the first time around, and, and this time the outline is on page 69, and it's just as robust as the earlier one. Which again, it gives us the same challenge. How can we, how can we be as clear as possible and, and uh, not sort of get muddled in the details? Here are, here, here's my plan for, for this hour. Uh, the, the title doesn't sound very catchy, and it's not, but, but I think there's some important things for us to consider. Uh, two goals. One is to really ask you the question, how do you put counseling ministry in its most succinct form. This is, this is a, biblical counseling has been, been moving, moving along uh, for the last, what, 50 years, and, and it's picked up massive momentum over the last 20 years. And, and of course, in any time in our history, there are certain challenges and certain things we need to emphasize. I would suggest that along with a number of things that we need to grow in at this particular time, one is how can we, how can we, how can we take the oodles of content and, and, and the, the growing number of books and how can, we, how can we have something that is really very, very simple and very accessible? So I, I wanna talk about that first, but I'll, I'll leave it as a question. How would, you, how would you summarize biblical counseling in a practical way, not in, not in a definition, but in, in a way that guides how you actually minister? How would you do that as succinctly as possible? That's one thing I want to do. The second thing is I want to consider the benefits of knowing someone in such a way that we can tell a story. Uh, and and I'll, I'll give you more reasons why I want to do that. So, so, so I, I want to introduce some of these two matters, and then I want to leave as much time as we can for, for your comments and your thoughts and, and perhaps your questions. So, so the first question, what, if you were going to speak about the, the ministry of counseling in its most efficient form, what, what would it be? Uh, for example, in, in, my own, in my own history, I guess which is written essentially the, almost the entire history of biblical counseling, uh, in our neck of the woods, there have been, there have been, been two summaries in particular. Uh, one is a, a series of eyes. For those of you who are familiar with Master Seminary, you'll hear about the seven eyes. And, and the seven eyes, inspiration, investigation, and a number of different things. This guides the way you do your counseling ministry. A second one would be, would be uh, in Paul Tripp's book, Counseling um, Instruments in the Hand of Re- Hands of Redeemer. He talks about, how does it go? Love the person know the person, speak the truth to the person, and, and have them act on that truth. You can see what Paul's trying to do. Actually, Paul talked Wayne Mack's course, and he was trying to simplify it. This, he recognized that for, for biblical counseling to be accessible to every Christian, it had to be put in, in its, its most simple form. 
What, what, what I would like to do is I would like to just, just move perhaps one step forward. It's in, in, in one step forward or, or one, one step toward even greater simplicity that, that hopefully would, would, would be, be able to maintain the depth of Scripture but also, also guide it. And it's simply this. Our attention in ministry, in face-to-face ministry, it tends to move from the person to Scripture. Knowing the person, knowing what God says. Those, those are the, the non-negotiable two features of face-to-face ministry. Knowing someone, and, and then making that movement from knowing someone to what is it that, that God says? If we, let me put it in questions. How are you? How are you? Tell me a little bit more. That's, that's what typically our first question in, in, in knowing a person. And then the, the question that would move us to the second part of ministry, given what you're saying, how can we pray? You see what, you see what just happened? It's... Okay, we have some sense of, of, of what's especially important right now in your life. Now, how can we pray? And can you, can you see how that question, it's your mind is doing something a little bit different. It's, it, it's, it's not that you're forgetting about the person, but you're, you're beginning to page through scripture and you're saying, what is it that God says that seems to match, that seems to be apt words for this particular person at this particular time? So that's, that is one way to, to identify biblical counseling in its, in its in it, I think, its most succinct form. It's knowing a person, it's knowing scripture. And, and, and this has all kinds of value. This, this can guide our most simple interactions, our most complicated interactions with, with other people. It also can be a kind of assessment for us. Where, where sometimes we might do well at knowing a person, where a person feels like, yeah, that's me. You understand the, the important things in my life. Uh, or other times we might be good at, at, at drawing out scripture, but we might be weaker at really knowing the person, having a sense of the, 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 the complications of, of, of their lives. So knowing a person, knowing, knowing scripture is, is what we're after. Listening to a person and being listening in the fullest sense and being moved by what they say, and then listening to God. We can use all kinds of different words to identify this, but it's basically it's this movement from from knowing this person uh, to to knowing knowing the character of God and the very words of God to that particular person. So. I'd like to just just move through this one, then two, uh, and, and eventually get to this idea of how can we tell stories and know stories of people. But let me let me move into it gradually, knowing a person and and then knowing scripture. The person that I'll I'm, I'm thinking of right now is a assistant pastor and a highly respected assistant pastor, and he was at lunch with a, actually it was another pastor from the denomination, and during lunch he passed out, and 
and he just, he, he's a young fellow, he just passed out. They took him immediately to the hospital, and when they took him to the hospital, they found out that he passed out not because of some heart problem, he passed out because he was intoxicated. And the, the curious thing was, he didn't seem intoxicated. Uh, as the story goes, he, he had a habit by that point of at least two to five bottles of wine every day. Uh, and on a, on a pastor's salary, if you're buying two to five bottles of wine, you're probably not buying the best stuff around. And, and it's like, well, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine drinking that much of anything, let alone two to five bottles of wine. That's, that's where you're picking up with this particular person. A pastor, assistant pastor, who has been drinking that much. And for him to, to seem alert during lunch, he, he, he must have been drinking for a long time for his system to be accustomed to that kind of blood alcohol level and, and still function. So there, one of the things you could do is, is you, could, you could say, I know a good bit about this person already. I, I know that he's given himself over to his desires, and, and scripture is, is evident. It's, it's, it's lust. It's, it's this insatiable desire for more. And, and what he needs to do is he, he needs to confess such things to his God, and he needs to confess such things to his spouse. He was married and had, had children. To his spouse, to his children, and, and most likely to, to his congregation, or at least selected representatives of his congregation. And, <coughs> excuse me, then you, you want to have some kind of accountability. You want to follow up with him to, to, to make sure that he is putting lusts within, within boundaries. And, and perhaps the church would consider some kind of discipline with him. So there you go. You, you know him. He's been drinking two to five bottles of wine for who knows how long. And you know scripture. Uh, scripture speaks about giving ourselves over to our desire. And giving ourselves over to our desire is, 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 is really moving away from the Lord. And off you go. But what we would like to do, of course, in face-to-face ministry, we have the occasion... To, to know somebody just a little bit more, just a little bit more. So, so my question now is, what do you want to know about him? And, and, and what is gonna capture your attention as, as you're talking together? For example, here, this is obviously a very simple, simple question or comment. Say a little bit more, if you would. Just tell me more. See, we're, we're, see we're, it's biblical counseling, it's, it shouldn't demand that much sophistication. It should be, how are you? Tell me a little bit more. And then, what is it that the Lord says? How can I pray for you? Those are, you know, those are basically the questions that, that bring together all kinds of ministry. But let's, we have a little bit more time with this person. Tell me a little bit more. Tell me a little bit more. And, 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 and what we're doing is, is there, not everything is going to be important in what we say, but there's some things that, 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 that capture
capture our attention, and when they do, we're going to linger, and we're probably going to say, just tell me a little bit more. For example, uh, my, my wife watches uh, four of our grandchildren one day a week, and, and how was your day? How are you? Tell me about the grandkids, and tell me more. <laughs> Tell, tell me stories about these grandkids. What I'm looking for is, tell me all the good things you can tell me about these grandchildren. That's one of the things that capture our attention with somebody else is, is the good in their life. Now, now as counselors, we tend to think, and especially uh, we're listening for the bad in their life, and, and we're also listening for the hard in their life. But if, we, if we're trying to follow the way the Apostle Paul moves toward his people, he inevitably begins, this is how I've seen Christ in you. So tell me more. Tell me more. And, and as, as this man tells you more, it's a bit confusing because he has a genuine desire to follow Christ. It, it, it's... It's, you know, he had a secret life, but when you hear him speak about Jesus, there's something precious and, and lively about his knowledge of Christ. Grief, certainly, uh, in, 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 in his relationship with the Lord, but you hear good in him. So that's, so what, what are we doing? We're, we're just, how can we know a person better? Well, we're always on the lookout for anything that reflects the character of God. Anything that reflects some sort of spiritual vitality in a person. And, and one, frankly, one of the nice things about this is that as you see something of the, good, of, of the goodness of God in another person, you end up liking the person. And, 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 and frankly, it's hard, to, it's hard to be helpful with somebody that you don't like. There's a difference between loving somebody and liking someone. There are times where my wife loves me, but she simply does not like me. Uh, she loves me, and she's stuck with me, and that's all there is to it. Um, what we want is, we want there to be an appreciation of the other person. And, and we want that in relationships, we want that in, in, in our counseling as well. So who would have thought, tell me more. And as, as you hear him talk, you, you hear somebody who is, who is not calloused spiritually, but he is, he, is, he is gone to Christ, he has he is poured out his heart to the Lord about, uh, about his drinking, He's been convicted of it, feels ensnared by it. Uh, but in the midst of all that, he, he truly knows and he loves Jesus. Now, that, that creates questions. How does all this happen? And we'll get to those questions. But, but what we're saying is there, there are certain things that you're going to slow down on and you're going to savor just a little bit more. Uh, some other things that you're going you're to try to listen for is, is what are the hard things in a person's life? Uh, I, I realize you know these things, but it's, it's important for us to identify them. In, in, in addictions, the person's badness is so blatant, it can, it, it can keep us from seeing both good things in their life, and it can keep us from seeing the hard things in their life. Uh, it's natural in relationships. How are you? 
Uh, we, we ask a question like that of our spouse. We're, le- we're looking for the good in their life, the way Christ has, has been evident in their lives and through their lives. Uh, we're, we're also listening for how are you? We're listening for the things that are hard in another person. Uh, how are you feeling? <laughs> we're asking, you know, you know, you know, burdens that, that they might have, things that have happened to them that, that are just hard, that are just hard, hard things. So we're, you see what we're doing? We're knowing a person, knowing scripture. My, my own observation among biblical counselors, uh, and I being one, is that we can move quickly past knowing a person and, and into applying scripture, where we, 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 we have this unusual privilege of really knowing someone well. Uh, what is good in a person's life? What is, what is hard in a person's life? And I'll identify some of the things that were hard in this guy's life in, in just a moment. Perhaps some other things that, that capture our attention would be, what's, what's confusing in a person's life? What's confusing in a person's life? Uh, I, help me to understand, help me to understand how these things happened. Uh, it, it, it's... You, you can, can, can you hear it? Now we're beginning to move into, there's a story just waiting to be told. You are a pastor. You, you're in scripture day after day. You are, you are praying for, you're ministering to other people. Meanwhile, there's this, there's this growing addiction in your own life. What happened? What happened? Now, I'm, I'm confused. I... I don't know how these things go together, and I'm betting that you don't know how they go together either. But see, it's, what, what happened? Tell me, tell me the story. Tell me the story. Perhaps a, 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 another thing that captures our attention is we're looking for things that are good. We're looking for things that are hard. Yeah, we're looking for things that are bad. You know, that's, those things are going to be evident to us. We're looking for things that just don't make sense we're also looking for things that are secret. We, we have, we, we recognize that, that, that sins that are secret, they, they tend to mushroom, they tend to grow and, and, and develop more power and control in another person's life. Deeds in darkness are frightening to us because they have some sort of sympathy with the devil himself. So, what we're doing is we're looking for occasions to draw out a person so they can speak honestly, especially in places where they would prefer things being covered up. We want the Spirit to somehow speak to every nook and cranny of our lives. And, and so we're asking the question, what, what happened? Tell me the story here. And... and, and are, we, can, we can begin with a kind of problem list. Here's the person's problems. But, but isn't it true that, 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 well, let me use the illustration of a song. Uh, to, we can know a series of notes and words, and, and we, we can memorize them, and, and they're, they're in our minds, but they're just a bunch of notes and words. What we're hoping to do is we're hoping to hear melodies. We're hoping to hear a song. A song consists of all kinds of lyrics and all kinds of notes. 
To, to know a song well, we want to know it as one song. Not, not, not a hundred different notes, but somehow all these notes have come together into one particular song. If possible, that's what we would like to do in our knowledge of another person, where somehow these various data points of their life, they, they come together into some kind of coherent overarching story, if we can. The question might simply be, again, what, what happened? What happened? What we find in, in the context of a story is that a story has its reasons. We, we understand that, that things just don't simply happen. There's, there's purposes in this larger story for, for why they happen. A story, it, 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 it's, it's this past that's moving through the present and drawing us into the future. It, it creates warnings for us. We, we can be on guard. We can be more vigilant. Um, the story also creates the occasion to move into scripture in, in ways that are especially appropriate for the person who's struggling. So do you see where we are? It's, it, it's how, do you, how do you organize the, the task of ministry? I'm giving you to the two essentials, knowing a person, knowing scripture. Now we're moving into, let, let's just sort of walk through this briefly. Uh, what does it mean to know a person? Well, it, it means to know their problems. That's oftentimes where we start. But hold it, it, it also, it, it's, it's to see the things that are praiseworthy in their lives as well. It's, it's to see, their, it's to know their burdens as well. It, it, it's to give them the opportunity to, to speak openly of places that have, been re, have remained hidden. And it's an opportunity for us to scratch our heads and say, that does, I don't understand, how, how did that happen? Tell me, tell me more. So you can see we're, we're trying to know the person a little bit more fully. And now we come to the point of, tell me the story. Tell me the story. What happened? Uh, with this particular person, when did it begin? <laughs> you're, you're drinking two to five... Uh, uh, what am I... Two to, to five bottles of, of wine every day. And it, it didn't just start out of nowhere. Uh, it, there's momentum behind this. When did it start? And, 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 and go back as far as you would like and tell me this story. And that's what he began to do. He... And I'll just give you some of the, the highlights of the story. He, he was adopted into, into a particular, he, and he was adopted into a Christian home. Uh, some people wrestle with adoption. Some people don't wrestle with their adoption. Some people are, are blessed that they've been adopted. Other people have a sense that they've been rejected. Well, with him, it... it He's the kind of person that, that really opted to feel blessed because he's adopted, but there was a, there was a problem. He, he was a very dark-skinned person in a, in, a, in a very Irish Catholic community, and he looked different than everybody. He certainly looked different than his own parents. 
Um, what's, what's the big deal? It, it, it's, it wasn't simply that he had a sense that he was different. As I know this particular man, that wouldn't have been the biggest deal. But it was that he was, it was somehow communicated to him every single day that he was different. Uh, he was picked on because people knew who his parents were. That he knew that he didn't, he, the sense of you don't belong, they're not even your parents. And, and every day there would be some comment that that said, you're not, you're not one of us. Um, things can seep into our souls in a number of different ways. Sometimes there can be an event that just, it just was so intrusive. After that one event, we were changed forever. But more often, the, the, the events that change us have that sort of drip, drip, drip quality. Just the one day after another after another, and it becomes this, this tradition. And that's what it was for, for this particular man. Uh, never fit in. He, he had an unusually good relationship with his father. His father just seemed to know him and, and accept him. Just loved him well, loved him wisely. His, his, his mother, it was harder to get a sense. She, I don't like the word bonded. I'm not only sure what it means, but as if she never established a relationship with her adopted son and, and treated him as a... Um, is a, is a person in the community more than a person in her family. That, that was, it was overshadowed by the fact that, her, that his father had this, this warm affection and care for his son. At age 11, his father died. Uh, his father died suddenly in a, in a car accident. And then her, his father, who, who sort of was a bit of a shield in the family, and now he was no longer there. And it was, it was simply him and his mother. And, and she, was, she was just simply cruel to him. Uh, I wish you would have died rather than your father died. People can say all kinds of stupid things in the midst of their grief, but that's beyond stupid. That's, that's cruel and somewhat revealing of, of a woman's heart. He grew to avoid his mother, and he was certainly angry with, with her as well. He was a young teenager when, when he discovered alcohol. It was just a, the community he was with. They, were, they had access to alcohol, and he, he drank it. And, and um, it wasn't anything in particular to him at the time. It was, he was a very gregarious fellow in his own way. And it was, it, it was, it, it was belonging. That's what, that's what it meant. Uh, it, 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 it wasn't so much forgetting the, the death of his father and the absence of his mother. Initially, it was, he was part of a group. And, and he just, there was this, this extroverted gregariousness about the guy. And, and, and now he, 
Now he's with people who accept him in a certain way. So, so, so drinking wasn't, wasn't something he would do every day, but it, it, it spoke community to him. Now you understand how these things go, that, that, our, that our idolatries, our addictions, they, they might have small purposes, or a, a small purpose initially, to be part of a community, but they gather, they gather other reasons, they gather other purposes over time. And, and certainly over time, one of the purposes was, this was a way to, 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 to sort of get rid of some of the things from his past, the, the loss of a father and ultimately the loss of a mother. And, and so you could see that his drinking was beginning to accumulate other kinds of purposes in his life. He went to college, he went to Christian college, he had a profession of faith, and, and, and at the Christian college, the, he, he, if you knew this guy, you would, you would like him. And he, he wasn't a malicious person, he wasn't a person who tried to break rules, uh, but he, he, it, was a, it was a stricter environment than he was accustomed to. And so he would just do, he was a kind of free range kid, and he would just do normal things and somehow he would, he, he was doing the wrong thing. He was getting these demerits against him in the context of a Christian college. He didn't fit in even to, if, of all the places where he was hoping to, to, to somehow be part of a larger group, he expected with other Christians that would happen, and, and it didn't. Yet during that time, he, there were a couple things that happened. One was he, he was mentored by, by an older uh, older faculty member, and you can see how this would go. It's here's a guy who, who is who's just hungry for, for closer relationships. He's certainly interested in being discipled, and and it was a it was this rich year for him, and and then after the year was over, uh, this man was found out as being an adulterer, and he was kicked out of the university. And it's just, it's this. This loss. It wasn't the betrayal. It wasn't this anger that this person didn't speak honestly to him. It was, it was somebody was in to his life intensely, and all of a sudden they were gone from his life. It's also around this time that he, he met his, the woman who was going to become his wife. And their, the relationship seemed to be she was somewhat reserved, and he was very talkative. <laughs> And that seemed to work, <laughs> that, that she was glad to have somebody who was talkative, and, and, uh, and he, was, he was glad to have somebody who seemed to, to listen and to appreciate the things that he spoke about. Kids came quickly in the marriage, and in the midst of the kids, there was kindness, but, but I would say there was distance in, in the relationship. Now, Tell me more. Tell me more. What was that like? Those were, those were some of the comments and questions. Uh, I would say that, that at this point, we're, there, from that, what happened? How did, you know, what's the beginning of this? I, I would say we're probably two and a half hours of conversation into it at this point. And, 
And in those two and a half hours, there, there were a number of things that were taking place. It wasn't simply me gathering data from him. It was, it was, it was something more than that. It was, it, was, it was me sort of entering into his story with him, being moved by his story, being, you know, feeling the pain of it along with him and, and, and speaking about it with him when, when he was when he was unaffected by something that was painful, the betrayal of a mentor, didn't that bother you? Here's a person who, who speaks of Christ and, 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 and the entire time he's having an affair with somebody else. And you know, just, it's just, it's being moved by his story. What is, so what? Well, it's, that's not simply a means to an end for a person to speak their story and to be moved by it. It's, it's, it's part of the unity that God has called us to in himself. So it, it, it wasn't, okay, now let's get to the good stuff. We were doing the good stuff. Him speaking the story, and, 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 and you and I not being some detached observer, but, somebody, but we're being drawn into it. And we're, 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 we're hearing the pain. We're being moved by it. We're, we're seeing the good things in him. We're also seeing the places where where certainly he blew it as well. By the way, it's also probably worthwhile for us to know how many people have shared their story with another over two and a half hours? Um, one person out of 20 in your church? Uh, the... How are you? That's, have, you ever, have you ever asked that question to another person and they were stunned when you actually meant the question? It wasn't, it wasn't a mere greeting. It wasn't, oh, how, how, how are you? And the other person responds, oh, well, how are you? It was, how are you? I, I, uh, I, I have a friend at our church who, who one time I was going in church and he said, how are you? And I said, how are you? And didn't even look at him. And he took me aside and he said, no, I want you to sit down. I want to hear about your week. I want to hear about the hardest things in your week. I want to hear about the best things in your week. Something changes in you when one person asks that question one time. All of a sudden, in the context of that community with him, you're willing to share your heart. You're willing to speak more openly, perhaps, than you ever have. How many people have... You've actually heard the story of another person. It, doesn't, it, it just simply doesn't happen that often. And, and he's, as he's speaking this story, it, it's you know, this knowing a person, knowing Christ. It's, it, it's, we can't help but begin to, to sort of move. What, what's happening here? And, and what is it that, that Jesus speaks to us in, in the midst of it? So, how would, you, how would you identify some of the key features of the story? For example, I, I'll just give you a couple things. Community is so important to you. You're really good at community. You, you draw people in, you care about other people, and you haven't had community. And community was... What? A, r- a way to reminisce about community is to drink. 
because these are some of the things that you would do. A way to, a way to try to push away the pain of, 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 of not having community is, is to drink. A friendship. A friendship with people and a friendship with the Lord. To, to have a home those, those, do those words make sense to you? Is, are those some of the things we extract from, from this larger story? And, and, and I realize you're just hearing different pieces of the story. Uh, you might use different words. What we're doing essentially there, it's not we're trying to extract the, the right story. It's a collegial enterprise. It's, it's what do we do with this? <laughs> What's important in what you said? What's, what, is the, what is the critical theme that comes out of this particular story? We're, it's, we're, we're working it together. We're, we're trying to, to see one, one piece of music rather than all kinds of disparate notes. And, and of course, you, we never stop getting the story of another person. It's one of our delight in closer relationships. Yet at, this, at, at some point, we, we begin to start that back and forth process. What is it that God says? Uh, and and, and it's, there are different words for this. It's knowing the person. It's knowing Christ. It's knowing the person. It's knowing what it is that the Lord says to us. The, the way I have it in, in, in the heading here, it's... It's knowing the story, knowing the person's story, which is, which is, which is an attempt for me to try to say, I want, I, I, I want to know, I want to know the, the, the guiding, unifying themes in this person's narrative. And, and now I want to see how scripture, with this person, I want to see how scripture overtakes those themes and, and retells the story so it looks a good bit different with the retelling. Let me, so it's, it's the same thing. It's knowing the person, it's knowing scripture. It's knowing the person, it's knowing Christ. It's listening to the person, listening to the scripture. It's knowing the person's story and having the scripture retell the person's story. I'm trying to have something uh, that, that forces me to see these larger themes and a certain coherence in another person's life. Let me, let me give you a couple illustrations of, of this kind of retelling. I, I, um, here's one. I, I oftentimes think back to a time when, when our daughter, she, I don't know how old she was, but we were at, at dinner and she all of a sudden talked about the peanut story. And I don't know how we got into it, but the peanut story, as she told it, was this. She was probably two years old. She was, she was in the store with her mother, and there was this big peanut barrel there. You just scoop up the peanuts and weigh them out and get your peanuts. And, and, and so they, you know, they did their shopping. They came home, and, and our daughter said to, her, said to her mother, Mommy, I got a peanut. And, and if I'm, I'm just... Am I sort of on the right idea so far? Good, good. good. What's that? She was four. Okay. Uh, uh, that's probably a helpful piece of data. Uh, so she's four years old, and, and Shuri used it as an occasion to, 
to just, just it was a teaching moment. By the way, Lynn's, that's actually not our peanut. And and so what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the store and we're going to give the person back their peanut. And and so, but meanwhile, Lindsay's telling the story. Mommy was yelling at me. She said, you stole a peanut. I can't believe you stole a peanut. We're going to go back to the store and maybe they're going to throw you in prison. And she can tell you. And then this man came back and he was all mad. Oh, little girl, how could you do that? And it's just on and on and on and on. And... Oh, yeah, she got spanked, too. She got spanked. Uh, and, and then Sherry and I were sitting incredulous, and, and we said, well, Linz, let's let me tell you, let me retell the story here. And the retelling of the story was that the, the, you know, she, we went, you know, Sherry took her back to the store, and, and, of course, the manager of the store said, oh, little girl, she probably said, you can have all the peanuts that you want, and, oh, you're so sweet, it's all kind of so nice of you, and you can have the peanuts, and, and it's, it's just a nice story. Uh, and, all, and, and, all, and you can see you know, our daughter in her 12-year-old mind, all of a sudden, uh, it's, the story was changed. It was, it was retold. Uh, that's... We tell the story, and then Scripture is going to take that story and it's going to it's going to rearrange it in some way. It's going to it's going to it's going to infuse it with spiritual realities and 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 hope. Um, and another example would be a kind of surprise party where where here's the story. <laughs> You know, why is my husband acting so weird? Why is my wife acting so weird? And, and why do I have to, I don't want to do this with her. It's, I wanted to do this, and it's my birthday, and I wanted to go out, and she's saying, I got to go over here. And, and then this, the moment you go into the house where there's a surprise party and people say surprise, at that moment, every, the, whole, the entire episode is retold. Oh, I know what she was doing here. She was, she was telling, okay, oh, I, now I get, I get the story. It's telling the story and, and retelling the story. Here's, here, here's an example of how the Apostle Paul does this. Here's the story. The story is, he says, I, I have done everything the way it should be done. And, and here's my resume. And it's, it's really a very fine resume. Uh, circumcised in the eighth day, people of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, Pharisee, zeal, persecuting the church, legalistic righteousness, faultless. That's the story. Paul, tell me the story. And, and here's the story. Here's the retelling of the story. All those things that were to my prophet, I consider them a loss for the sake of Christ. Uh, and what's more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider these things rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own but that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ. It's, here's the story. And here's the retelling of, of the story. Or there's more succinct versions of that. Here's the story. Your, your life is in peril. Your finances are in peril. You, the, 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 the neighbors who are your friends are no longer your friends. You are excluded from your community. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
Or here's the story that that there's a physical agony that, that, that takes you close to death. Here's the retelling. For me to live is Christ and to die is, is gain. So it's just, we're, we're, just, we're just embellishing that. that dun, dun, dun. It's knowing a person and knowing Christ. It's, it's knowing the person's story and it's ultimately knowing the story of Christ and having one overtaking the other. So it might go, it might begin, the transition might simply begin with how can we pray? How can we pray? Uh, it's, you notice what we're aspiring to, if possible, is a partnership with the other person. We're in this together. How can we pray? It's this collegial enterprise. Given this particular story, how can we pray? What is it that God says? What's the story that overtakes your own story, and, and retells it and puts it in a, in, a, in a very different context. Well, here's, for example, here's First Peter. We are aliens and exiles. We're aliens and exiles. In other words, the world at large is not going to feel like our community. We are going to feel different than the community. But within the church, it shouldn't, it, it shouldn't feel like that. Um, the reality is this, that, that on, on a larger scale, we are exiles and aliens in this world, but within the context of a church, we are walking together with Christ in his spirit to Christ, to his very house where we live with him. That's the reality, and, and we can't taste that reality in its fullness right now, but this is happening, and, and then you can see where, and we have done this together. Your willingness to speak openly about these things in your life, this has been, what have we been doing? We have been a community walking together because of Christ, with Christ, hoping to be sanctified by the Spirit and and aiming for Christ together where we have unity and community with him and even with each other. This is our story. And this is what we're going to pray. That, that the sense of being an alien makes all kinds of sense. The sense of being an alien within the church doesn't make sense. So we're going to retell it and recognize that that person over there who you have this awkward relationship with, these are your very people. And you're going to pursue community with them. You're going to pray with them. You're going to even share your own life with them at times. You're going to allow heaven to invade earth so heaven's not quite a shock when, when we get there. Psalm 23 might be a passage here where Psalm 23, it's, it's, it's this picture of a journey that goes through the different seasons and the journey always ends at the very house of the Lord. That's, it's, and, 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 and it's a journey that ends in the house of the Lord but we are walking there together. That's the picture that, that and, and I'm, I'm, here, here's, here's what we decided together. This is the picture that we want to have overtake your story and, and the rationale behind your drinking. We didn't really talk about his drinking that much. We, it, it was the story and the momentum that moved to it and, and, and that was what it was most important. Now you're gonna do this, you're gonna, as you have practiced speaking openly to me as a friend, we're gonna practice that with others. 
We are going to speak from our hearts to the Lord. We're, spe- we're going to specialize in places that were secret and, and speak them openly. And, and then we're going to begin to, to speak from our hearts to others. Your wife is going to be first on this. And then the elders in the church, and then, then we'll see where we go from there. To, there's nothing to hide. You, you simply speak openly. Things that the Spirit is doing in your life. The, uh, the things that you, 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 you tried to tuck away into the darkness. You invite people to ask you questions. You... You're looking forward to having them pray for you that, that, that more and more you as part of this community would, would, would live in the light and, and speak openly to brothers and sisters. And, and then you, then in your primary relationship, what do you do? You, your marriage is going to move toward a friendship. It's, it's not going to move to simply a, a, a business arrangement where you're arranging, arranging children and you try to be kind to each other. And, and part of the deal is not only will you share your heart with your wife, but, but she's going to practice sharing it with you. That's, that's, part, that's part, of the, part of the plan when you get married. Uh, knowing and, and being known. And... And then as a member of a community, you are not an independent operator. You, you need the community of Christ. And, and so you, every single day, you not only are prepared to speak of your need to another person in the body, but you are going to pursue another person in the body. You're going to email them. You're going to text them. You're going to call them. You're going to visit them. And you're going to say, help. And you're going to give very specific ways they can help, specific ways that they can pray for you. Do you see how it's... Duh, of course they should do that. But can you see how, how this, this retelling of this story uh, from, from this isolated person who desires community, but it's, it just doesn't seem to go well for him uh, when he's been part of it, to, to now for him to have this freedom to be unleashed in the context of a community and for him to, to go to another person and to, and to ask, to say, I'm needy, I need you. Would you pray for for me on these particular things. On one hand, it's just normal. Duh, it's, we need each other. But on the other hand, he is, he is taking a stand against everything that mobilized his drinking. Uh, where he is, he, he is, he is, he is saying, no, I, I, I'm not going to seek to manage my world my way. I'm going to seek the help of the community. And, and in doing that, he is... He's actually practicing this new storyline of you're part of this motley community that is moving with Christ and, and toward Christ. So I'll stop there. The two things that I just wanted to think about with you. It's, this is an era in pastoral care and counsel where 
We want to be able to simplify it as much as possible because not only do we want to be able to do it ourselves, we want, to be, we want every single person who, who, who knows Christ in our church to be doing it with each other. <laughs> and, so, so there, and if scripture itself is accessible, <laughs> the, the, way, you know, the way we lead other people in mutual ministry should be, should be accessible. It's knowing a person, how are you? How can I pray for you? <laughs> That's, those are the two parts of ministry. And all we're doing is we're just, we're just embellishing it. It's just, as we, as we gather and sense more skill with another person, that knowing a person, it, it's, it moves from a problem list to, to a bunch of other data points that, and those data points have really good things, really bad things, really hard things, and and they unfold as a particular story. And, and then our job is to see how, how there are stories just waiting there in Scripture to sort of overtake those, the stories that we've told and to enrich them and to infuse them with hope. So that's, that's what we're up to. Um, comments or questions before I let you go? Yeah. This may sound like a silly interruption, but but somehow the word method it sounds sounds like there's this big strategy behind it. It's just it's just talking, <laughs> or just it's just sort of ordinary conversation. But I know what you're saying. Go ahead. Yeah, a couple things. One is, is, is you know how ministry goes. That there's, there's, it's in different venues. Probably the most common venue is, is five minutes here and five minutes there. How are you? How can I pray for you? And two weeks later, say, hey, I've been praying for you. What's been happening? That's going to be, that's going to be the most significant part of our ministry. Occasionally. We are going to have an opportunity where a person's struggle is, is particularly complicated or has, has this long-term momentum or is especially dangerous. And, and if we have the time, those are, what happened? And, and we get these, these larger stories. So, it, so we're not going to do this with everyone, obviously. Um, so anyway, that's just the varieties of ministry. The, the, the question you ask is, 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 is an important one. Uh, how do we keep from being just overwhelmed and, and swallowed up and, and buried under the, the hardness of, of the stories that we hear? That's a great question. I don't, I don't have a good answer for that, except, except um, if you, well, uh, let me put it another way. If you are looking for the good in another person, uh, I can think of I can think of two or three. I've I've, I've 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 done counseling for for a long time, and I can probably think of two or three people over over decades of of ministry where I couldn't see the good in them, 
and they scared me to death. And they, they, it was, they, they were an incredible burden to me to, 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 to see lifelessness and, and this, 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 the people who seemed to be inert in light of hearing of the goodness of Christ toward them. Those, those were burdensome. But, but with this particular person, here's, here's, here's a pretty significant problem. A pastor who is drinking this much and has been doing it for a long time has had, has had this kind of secret life. But even with him, we, like the Apostle Paul, we want to see... We want to see the bad things in his life. Those things are evident. The harder, the hard things, the painful things in his life, sometimes we can gloss over those. We want to see those. But we also want to see the work of Christ in him. And, so that, and, 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 and that tends to be so easy to find because I, I know in my, own, in my own counseling and pastoral care, Simply the fact that a person is talking to somebody who's a Christian uh, and willing to be open, there's something exquisite in that. There, there, there's something profoundly spiritual in it. This is, the spirit is doing something in this person's life, and, and there's, there's reason to simply enjoy that particular goodness with him. So, so I, I guess I'm speaking personally. Um, it's... It, it, the, the benefit of face-to-face ministry, in contrast to purely public ministry, public ministry preaching and teaching, the benefit of personal ministry face-to-face is we get to see the work of the Spirit in a person's life unfolding in the, in the, in the, the little details. We see a person who confesses. We see a person who, who wants to love rather than hate. We see a person who is willing to ask for prayer, who's willing to engage in the scripture. We, we develop eyes to be able to see the, the manifold work of the spirit and, and enjoy it with the other person. That's, that's, only, that's only one thing, but, but I, I do find personally that that, that makes personal ministry, the, the fact, the hardness of it is outweighed by the fact that there is this retelling and as the per- and the person is 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 taking on that retelling as they do, it just it just looks beautiful, uh, and, and encourages our own souls. It encourages theirs. One more comment or question before we go. Thanks. Thanks for taking the time. And let me pray for you. I, I've often thought that these kinds of conferences. They're, they're easy for people speaking. They're much, at least when I've, when I've been at conferences, it's easier for me to speak than it is to listen. Because uh, especially if you've already been at a workshop this, this afternoon. So let me pray for you that, that as, as you have committed uh, in, in sacrifice to be here, that the Spirit would be very gracious to you and, and give you something that edifies your own soul edifies those who are closest to you and, and sends you out to be more fruitful. Let me pray those things. Father, I do pray that, that, that that's what you would do, that, 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 that you would, would rest on my brothers and sisters in such a way that, that, that they, their soul is refreshed in, in the knowledge of Christ, in, in, in the hope that comes in being connected to Jesus 
You would, you would grant them conversations with family and with close friends that, that it's edifying to speak and it's edifying for them to hear. And, and then would you grant them something that sends them out even a little bit farther to the outliers in their church, even, even people in their community? Would, would you allow this time together to be a fruitful time as we abide in Christ? In the name of Jesus, amen. Copyright 2017, IBCD, all rights reserved. More free resources are available at www.ibcd.org.